Welcome, everybody. If you don't know me, uh, my name is Corey. I'm the lead pastor here at Third Street Community Church, and it is my honor and privilege to bring to you this morning the Word. We've been going through this series, in case you haven't been with us, we've been going through this series the last couple of weeks called Devoted. Everybody say Devoted. Devoted. Nah, y'all tripping. Say Devoted. Devoted. There we go. That was so, so much better. They're going to get that back on in a minute. Don't even worry about that. Don't even worry about that. We've been going through this series called Devoted. We've been talking about how our central verse in Acts 2, 42, we, we, spent, we spent the last like six or so weeks before this going through uh, everything that, that, that the descendant of the Holy Spirit means to the believers. We've been going through like everything, all the ways that the Holy Spirit works through the believers as the believers, the original believers, received the Spirit at Pentecost. And in Acts 2, 42, it's going to be up on the screen. You see that when the believers received the Spirit, it changed the way that they lived their lives. It changed things for them. They started devoting themselves to different things. They started living in a different way. We see this verse, it reads, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, and to prayer. The first week we were together, we talked about, we talked about that third one because I couldn't, I couldn't wait to talk about food. Amen? We talked about how the believers began sharing meals together and that we believe that God is doing something bigger than we can even comprehend that brings people of all different backgrounds to the same table. And it's wild. Read about that in Acts 10. You can go back and listen to it, or you can just read Acts 10 for yourself. It'll speak to you. I trust it. Last week, Deshaun talked about, talked about fellowship. And that it's not just like, you know, like, uh, like, like bingo or potluck night, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's God bringing people together to share a lifestyle, to share a likeness in the way that they live. And that is something we believe the Spirit does to believers. This week, we're going to go back to the top where it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Everybody say, Apostles' teaching. Now, here's the thing you might be saying, What is that? Back then, the whole, uh, this, this, this book we call the Bible didn't exist, right? It wasn't, it wasn't put together back then. So when they say the apostles' teaching, they're talking about the eyewitness accounts of what the believers saw from Jesus. They're talking about the eyewitness accounts. Now today, thank God, we have the collection of eyewitnesses accounts and even more. And so for us, it's about being devoted to the words that we read in scripture. It's about being devoted to this collection of apostles' teachings. Now, let me go ahead and, and, and say I'm pretty sure that we've all struggled at some point in time, maybe even right now, with reading the Bible. If you haven't, say amen. That's what I thought. It's cool. It's cool. It's everybody. It really is. Like, we just got to get that out of the way first thing. Like, devoted to the apostles' teaching. Ugh, can't do it. Well, don't skip it. Right? When I first became a believer, I, I 100% wholeheartedly was all about it. 
wanted to change everything about my life, right? Some of you who have been through uh, conversion moments later in life, not as, not as young kids, you probably went through this phase where you like, you know, broke secular CDs and, and, you know, like changed the colors of your room and like threw stuff out that you were like, man, I think somebody would tell me that's from the devil and I'm holy now. So I'm going to like, you know, do other stuff, right? People have gone through that phase. I don't know who. I'm just saying theoretically it could have happened. But one thing that was always so difficult for me to get in was this book. It was so difficult for me. I couldn't, like, I started reading Genesis, and if you've ever read Genesis, Genesis is wild. Genesis is wild, and I had so many questions, but I was like, all right, it's still, like, kind of dope, you know? Then you get to Exodus, and you're like, whoa, dang, like, plagues and, like, you know, freeing slaves and seas parting and people moving and all this kind of stuff. And then inevitably, y'all know where I'm going with this. Inevitably, you get to Leviticus, and you're like, yeah, you're right. You know what? Uh, I think I don't know how to read this anymore. And I struggled for a long time with getting, with getting into to, to Scripture and, and, and getting hip to what was going on, what was happening in this book and this, this overarching story that God is, is attempting to communicate, right? And I was talking to my mentor about it one time, and he said something real simple to me. It made me feel real dumb. You ever have that moment where you, like, say something, and somebody's like, well, haven't you just blah, blah, blah? And you're like, man, mind your freaking business. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I asked him, I was, like, I was like, I really struggle to read this thing. Help me. And he said, well, have you ever asked God to give you a desire to read it? Have you ever asked God to make you want to read it? To help you with that little bit inside of you that says, I want this? And so that night I went home and that was the prayer that I prayed. And what I felt after that was... It was like, have you ever been so engulfed in like a movie that you're watching or something that you're reading that when something tragic happens, you cry, right? Or, or, or after you get through that action scene, you're like ready to like stand up and run through a wall and you didn't even do nothing. You just watch some people that don't even exist on a screen, but for some reason you would like totally fight right now. That's what it felt like. Like I had never felt it before. I honestly prayed, I was like, God, the way that I feel about verses that Kanye lays down, is pro I probably should feel even more so about verses that you've laid down. Help me with that. That's what it was like. It was real. And for some reason, as I was reading it, I felt like I was empowered to like actually do something about it. The text that I want us to get into this morning comes to us in the book of James. If you're in the New Testament, it's towards the end. Might be easy to skip, but it's towards the end. I promise it's back there. If you need to look in your table of context, feel free. I do it all the time. But we're reading, we're reading from the epistle of James, from the book of James. James was Jesus' brother. So you know if anybody's going to tell the truth about Jesus, you know it's his brother. You know what I'm saying. We all, a lot of us have siblings, right? If anyone's going to tell the truth about your sibling, who's it going to be? You. So James is going to tell the truth. 
We're going to start in the very first chapter. We'll begin our time in verse 19. We'll read a few together and then we'll pause. So James says this. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your lives. Point number one. As a people, if we're really going to make this a lifestyle, if we're really going to get after this, if this is really going to be real to us, if our faith is actually going to hold any weight in our livelihoods, point number one is we must be devoted to listening. Devoted to listening. Now, I'm sure many of you have read this passage before. It may have been read in the context of your marriage or some other argument where your spouse is trying to convince you that you need to listen. No, nobody's ever had that before. It's okay. We're going to keep on pushing. It happens, right? And that's fine. That's fine. People use this to say, be quick to listen, slow to speak, when they want you to listen to what they are saying. Right? And that's fine. That's fine. But this text deserves a little bit uh, better of an interpretation. What James begins his whole book with, the parts right before this, is he's like, man, there's some trials. There's some things going down. There are going to be a lot of hard times. The crazy thing about salvation in Jesus is that it's not this like, it's not this like medicine remedy that we want to treat it as. We're like all of a sudden everything in life is cupcakes and rainbows. If that's your expectation, I'm sorry. You're going to be let down. He says it's going to be hard times. It's going to be difficult sledding. I get that. There are these trials. And shoot, we got to remember who we're even hearing from. We got to remember who we're even talking to. James is like, man, they killed my brother. You don't think I know it's hard out here? I watched a whole bunch of religious folk kill my brother for loving people differently than they interpreted people should be loved. That's hard. He says, we're facing hatred and persecution like the world has never seen before. But you know what? We're talking too much. You're like, hold up, James. Man. He's like, no, listen. I know it's hard. People are dying. People are being hated. People are being forced out of their homes. I get that. But we're talking too much. He says, we need to chill out. We need to slow down and we need to listen. But here's what I need you to catch. And this part's for free if you got to think about it on the way home, right? This part's for free. What he's not saying is that we need to be quick to listen to the justifications of the wicked. What he's not saying is that we need to be quick to listen to the justifications of the wicked because there is no justification for killing or mistreating the poor. 
So let's get, that's for free, let's get that disclaimer out there, right? He's not talking about, listen to the other side that is killing and hating. That's not, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is we need to be quick to listen to what God has implanted inside of us. We need to be quick to listen to the word. We need to be quick to listen to the way the spirit makes these words on this page pop out to us. We need to be quick to listen to what God has been communicating for a long time through his people, through his spirit, through this book. We need to be quick to listen there. We need to be quick to go check this book for what is really going on. What is written and inspired in these teachings, he said, is so powerful that it could actually change your life. Here's the thing. Social media era, everybody's fighting to get their voice out there, right? It's cool, all of us. Everybody's fighting to get their opinion heard. Everybody's fighting to get, to get the image that they want to portray to be seen. Everybody on social media, it's what we do. Everybody wants to get something dope on Facebook or get the most likes on Instagram. Everybody's trying to get their voice out there. But what we are continuously failing to recognize by doing that is that man's heart is not changed by human's reproach. Man's heart is not changed by your lectures, your criticisms, your disapprovement, your rebuking, your admonishing, or your really long status that says, see more here. Man's heart is not changed by that. Not never, not one time in the history of ever have I ever seen a social media argument go like this. I hate this. Really? It's actually like this. Oh, okay, you win. Bye. Not never. Man's heart is not changed by your admonishments. Man's heart is changed, however, about the part that we've forgotten when we're so quick to let our fingers get on Twitter. The part that we've forgotten is the gospel of Jesus Christ has been changing lives for a really long time. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what flipped a murderer into the most zealous apostle that ever existed. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that changed a politically minded man that wanted to overthrow the entire government to lay his life down for a message that said we're not even attacking politically. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ as laid out in scripture that is so powerful. It can not only change a man's heart, but James says it can save it. We've got though, we've got to put ourselves in better situations to actually hear the word. This is what it comes down to for me. We've got to put ourselves in better situations to get that word in us. Whether we're reading it corporately, whether we're reading it on our own, or whether we're listening to somebody read it to us. We've got to put ourselves in better positions to hear the word. This is what's crazy to me, is that we're going to sit here and we're going to let streaming services smack our bank accounts every single month so that we can watch shows that may or may not even be good. But yet, we won't get up at a certain time or sit in a hot room too long to corporately read a word that God guarantees is good. Yeah. 
What's crazy to me is that we'll stay up till midnight waiting for an album to drop so we can get stirred up and mixed up in our feelings by words inspired by Drake. But we won't wake up in the morning to start our day with refreshing words that were inspired by God. It's crazy. No wonder we say the things we do. No wonder we don't know where to turn. No wonder we throw harmful opinions like they're facts. It's because we've lost sight of where the truth even comes from. It's crazy. We've got to devote ourselves to hearing God's word. We've got to devote ourselves to putting ourselves in situations to get this word inside of us and let the spirit reveal to us what's going on. James goes on, verse 22. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. Dang it, this is the hard part. I'm just warning you, preface, this is the difficult part. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Point two of two, and this is it, we must be devoted to doing. Devote ourselves to listening and then devote ourselves to doing. It's not enough to just hear it. It's not enough to be near it. We actually do, must, James says. We must apply it. It's not enough to hear it, to listen to it, to read it, to memorize it. You got to do it. I'm reminded of this story in the Gospels. is Matthew, I think 19, where this rich young guy comes up to Jesus and he's like, all right, I think I'm ready for this. What do I got to do to get into heaven? What I got to do? Just tell me, give me some bullet points. One, two, three, and I got you, and I'm there. We'll be partying for eternity. It's going to be lit. Jesus says, all right, keep the commandments. He goes, hey, perfect. Hey, I was hoping you were going to say that. I was hoping because check this out. You're going to love this. You ready for this? You're going to love it. You're going to love it. I actually know the commandments. I know them. I know them, right? I learned it in song when I was four, right? The 10 commandments, whatever, right? I learned it. I know it. I know it. I know them all. Oh, and those old texts got those too. Got those two, right? He's like, great. Great. He's like, no, 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 no. Also, also, here's, here, here's what's really good. Here's what's really good. I actually do some of them. I actually do some of them, right? It's like this little like thing I do. I'm like, hey, which one of the Ten Commandments do I want to do today? You know, like, it's cool. It's cool. We're taking liberties this morning. It's great. Jesus says, okay. So you think you know, huh? Hmm. You think you obey, huh? Hmm. You got a lot of stuff, right? 
Yeah, okay. Um, go and give it all away to the poor. Then come back to me. Because you don't need that stuff where we're going. So just, just give it away. Give it to the poor. Bless them. Just because. Well, they didn't work for it. Hey, no, no, it's not what this is about. Give it away. Bless the poor. Come follow me. You don't need that stuff where we're going. And you know what he does? What's he do? You know this. What's he do? He goes away. He never comes back. It's not enough to hear it. It's not enough to put it to song. It's not enough to memorize it. It's not enough. You actually have to get it together and apply it. Don't just be devoted to hearing God's word, though we just expressed how important that is. We must also be devoted to doing God's word. James describes it like a mirror, the mirror thing. You might read that and think to yourself, that's silly. Who would literally look in a mirror and then walk away and be like, wait, what did I look like again? Like, hold on, let me go, <laughs> let me go back and check myself again, <laughs> right? Like, you're not doing that. Who would even do that? God's word tells us that each person is made in his image. God's word tells us that each person is fearfully and wonderfully, carefully crafted and made. God's word tells us that before they were even a thought or conceived in woman's tomb, God knew everything about that person. And God did that on purpose. And yet, we can walk away from that and find ourselves still tearing other people down based on the way they look. We can find ourselves still tearing people down based on the way they present themselves. We can find ourselves tearing ourselves down for the way that God has created us. But who looks in a mirror and forgets what they look like, right? Now, let me keep going. God's word tells us not to slander or tear down with our words, right? That's in there. That's in there. But man, let somebody get our order wrong later on at lunch or cut us off at traffic because Hall of Fame week and ain't nobody got no sense and know how to drive. Right? Then what's coming out of our mouth? God's word tells us we should be bold and courageous when acting in obedience. When we think we know what God wants us to do, we should be bold and courageous in getting after it. And yet, I got about 15 reasons why I shouldn't. Who looks in a mirror and forgets the appearance that God relays to them? What we're supposed to do with a mirror is use it to check ourselves, and if we see something wrong, we fix it. Not one person in here is getting in front of a mirror, seeing a big old nasty zit on their forehead and not popping it before we go out in public. Not one person is going out like that. The Holy Spirit allows us the ability to look inside of what God has written and fix what he's speaking to us about. The Holy Spirit allows us the authority to live the words that God breathed. So why don't we? Why don't we? 
It's not just about memorizing the words on the page. It's about letting the Spirit to help us adapt the message in this book as an entire lifestyle. This is not a manual. This is not a construction book. This is not how you build something. This is a lifestyle. Acts says, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles were the eyewitnesses. So simply the combination of, of listening to eyewitness testimonies and teachings and the Holy Spirit empowering them to act, simply that changed their lives forever. Moreover, changed the world forever. Can I tell you what I'm afraid of, though? Can I tell you real quick? Last thing, and then we're gonna get to celebrate, and I promise. Can I tell you what I'm afraid of in 2019? I'm afraid. Man, it really was that simple. Listen to the things that the apostles have taught for a long time, and allow the Spirit to enable you to act. It really was that simple. But I'm afraid that in 2019, we've gotten so far away from doing that. We've gotten so far away from devoting ourselves and actually living that lifestyle that I'm actually afraid the devil doesn't even wake up on Sunday morning and try. I'm actually afraid that the devil's not even threatened when people who claim to be Christians on a tax box actually get together to hear the word and quote unquote worship. I'm afraid of that if I can be real, because what I'm afraid the devil knows is a whole lot of people are going to get in a real hot room. They're going to listen to some words. They're going to sing some nice songs and ain't not one person going to do nothing about it. That's what I'm afraid of. If I can be real. I believe fully that the devil doesn't even try to prevent you from getting to church. I just don't think you can wake up. I think the devil's waiting for you when you get outside that door. Don't get it twisted. He's waiting to see if you're going to do something about what you heard. But I don't think he's even scared of you going anymore. I don't want this church to be a place that the devil's not worried about. I don't want this church to be a place, to be a gathering of people that the devil can just sleep through. Our community will change. Our city will change when people actually devote themselves to living this way. You want to know why we don't see any change? It's because we don't have hope any longer in people actually living the way that Christ has described. There is something so powerful about a group of people devoting themselves in unity to these teachings and then actually living that way outside of the building in which they meet. It's promised. It's not even James. Man, I can go through and I can show you, but we ain't got time because we got people to baptize, right? It's promised in there over and over and over again. Devote your life for this and you will be blessed. Devote your life to this and people around you will change. Devote your life to this and God will start building back up. Devote your life for this and you will see the glory. Devote your life to this and you'll be a part of something different. It's the teachings. They haven't changed. Do you believe with me? Do you believe with me that if we actually live this way, our city would be filled with hope? Do you actually believe that? 
going to keep it real. If you want to rock with me, I need you to. I need you to. I had to be challenged to want to read scripture, right? I had to have somebody say, well, have you ever asked God to give you a desire? Have you ever asked God to make you want to read it? I had to be pushed in that direction. And I asked for the desire and I was given the desire, I was given this fire inside of me to know everything about what's in here, to want to know more about what's on these pages, but do you want to know what actually changed me? Do you want to know what actually took me from the condition where I started to where I stand today so passionately trying to get this through? What actually changed me was when I began to apply the things that I was reading. When I actually began to practice the things that Jesus says, pray like this. When I actually began to put that in my life, there was this passion that woke up. Nate says it's like turning on a light switch. That's what it's like. When you get into these teachings and you start to live them out, it's like flipping on a light switch and you're like, huh, I ain't never knew that furniture was in here before. That looks comfy as heck. It's like flipping on a light switch. We need to do both. We need to do both. James says, if you're hearing, you're listening, but you're not doing, your religion is worthless. He says, that's, 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 that's called religiousness. That's you holding a lot of people to a standard you ain't even living out. That has no place in the kingdom of God. But if you're over here doing, but you're not listening, may I ask, what are you doing? What are you doing? Probably posting a lot of hate, hateful things on social media. Probably having a hard time sleeping at night because of all the grudges you're holding in your heart. Probably, right? So I got two challenges for us now I'm out your way. Two, number one, put yourself in a position to listen to the word. Put yourself in a position, whatever you gotta do, whatever discipline you gotta do, right? If you gotta get up an hour early, man, that's hard. I, I know. Ask people with babies, they know. Get up at whatever time you need to and start your day with the refreshing words that God inspired. Ask the Spirit to speak to you about what you're reading. It can get tricky. Casual reading is dangerous. Ask the Spirit to speak to you about what you're reading, but we have got to put ourselves in the position to actually do it. So here's the thing, it's real practical. If you think, I'm gonna get up early, and before I go to work, I'm gonna start reading scripture every morning, then check this out, go to bed an hour earlier. The crazy thing about streaming services on, and on demand is that those shows is gonna be there tomorrow. Do something real practical this week 
to put yourself in a position to actually get into the word. Read something you've never read before or haven't read in a while if you've read the whole thing. Second one, I challenge you, in some way, live out what you read that week. Ah, oh, see, now everybody's going to know if you've been reading, because we're going to see how you live. So we're going to know. If we see how you live, we can be like, oh, no, they ain't been reading. They ain't been reading, right? But we see you start doing some radical stuff that's in here, and it's like, oh, they've been in it. Spirit's been speaking to them, right? I challenge you, live out what you've read. When the Bible talks about forgiveness, I'm going to leave that there. When the Bible talks about being generous, I'm going to leave that there. Live out what you're reading. We need to be doing both.